According to the NCAA, 69% of student athletes and their peers graduate every year, which is a 1% increase over a year ago, according to the association. However, when your educational journey is over and has reached its climax, can you really be trusted to make smart and practical life decisions? If you need some help in this department, then Eric Daddario is here to lend a helping hand. He's a youth motivational speaker who helps student-athletes and their peers make appropriate life decisions, which will enable them to live a more fulfilling life through authentic discussion and life examples. Students learn just how they can change the trajectory of their lives and the lives of others. Daddario joined me this week to have a conversation about mentorship, life decisions, and making the appropriate choices when the opportunities arise. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Dario began his remarks by reflecting on why it's important for him to have a platform to assist students and student-athletes to make appropriate life decisions which helps them be put on the fast track to success. Yeah, for sure. So, as and again, before I get going, just really appreciate you having me on the show. It's, uh, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to come on here and talk to you about the work that I'm doing. And hopefully we can push this out there to help more youth make better decisions. So, as you said, I help high school, middle school, and college students and student athletes make better decisions in their life. So they can live a much happier, healthier life. Now, I do this through going to schools and sports organizations and talking to the athletes and students in presentations. And I do this by just, you know, letting them know that, that whatever they're going through, whatever they're struggling with, because everybody goes through hard times in life, whatever they're going through, that they have people in their life who are there for them, who want to help them, who, if they approach them, are willing, they're waiting to help them take that first step to get the help that they deserve. I know you. May, a lot of people may say the help that they need, but the more and more I was presenting, I was saying that, I said to myself, I don't like the word need. Everybody 
deserves to get help when they're struggling. And, and I always let the students and athletes know it doesn't matter the decisions you've made in the past. doesn't matter how you see you or what you think about you. Everybody deserves help when they're struggling. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that uh, part of the reason you do this is that you have your own uh, personal vested interest. I know that uh, your brother's a big reason why. Uh, yeah. you, you do this, so tell me about the personal connection you have to the work that you do. Yeah. And that is a lot of people ask me after the presentation or a lot of people will just, when I hop on podcast, why do you do this? What's the reason? And the reason is my younger brother, Brendan, in eighth grade, eighth grade going into freshman year. So we'll say, you know, just about when the school year is over summertime, really starts going through some social anxiety. Really struggles with that. He was struggling with some other things too, but that was the biggest thing, social anxiety. And it's because he has this bald spot in his head. And he's so, so he's so self-conscious of himself. And when he's around other people, he's so nervous. He's so concerned. He's so afraid of what others will think about him, of what they'll say, how they react. And, you know, this developed over time and it just kept eating away at him. It just kept affecting him so much. To the point where he just one day was just like, I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to live this life. So he starts making unhealthy choices. And that first choice was he's down in our parents' basement, sees a bunch of bears in the refrigerator. And he said to himself, I'm going to have one because maybe this is what's going to help me feel better from what I'm going through. So he makes that choice to drink one of those bears. And then he has another and then another. And eventually he drinks to get, and he gets drunk. And now he's thinking to himself, well, all this pain, all this suffering, this struggle I've been going through, it's gone. Like, this is it, right? This is what I've been looking for. This is what's going to help make me feel better. This is what is the answer. But not realizing that what he was really doing was numbing, was dulling, was masking the pain with the decision that he had made. Because eventually he realized that Drinking just wasn't doing it for him. So then he makes the decision to start smoking weed because now he's thinking, all right, this is what's going to help calm me down. This is what's going to help relax me. And then eventually realized that that wasn't enough. So he starts messing around with the Percocets and Oxycontin. And not too long ago, he passed away from a drug overdose. And when I go back to how this all started, it all started with his decisions. And so I firmly believe that if he had made different decisions in his life, he would still be here today. He wouldn't have had that outcome. If he had made the decision when he was struggling not to drink that beer, to think that that's going to help him, to make the decision to approach an adult, to approach my parents, somebody to actually talk about what he was going through, to talk about his feelings, his emotions, then he would still be here, I firmly believe. And so I think that, well, not I think, I know that youth decisions now will affect them now and later in their life. And they're so important. And so that's why I do this is because it's the, the decisions that the youth make, they're so crucial. They're so important because if you really think about it, they pave the path in their life they take. 
They mold them into the person, like ultimately everybody's decisions, not just the youth. That is what ultimately creates your destiny. And so I said to myself, you know, youth need to start making better choices because every single kid I grew up with basically went down my brother's path. I was the only one that didn't. And I said to myself, just like my brother, if those kids had made better choices, they'd have much happier, healthier lives. And so this is why I started on this life journey of mine to help youth make better choices when they're struggling. Yeah, absolutely. And to that point, Eric, I'm wondering, uh, based on your personal experience and life experience, how do you define the value of perseverance? It's a great question. And I think that we all go through, not, well, not I think, I know that we all go through struggle in our life because that's just, and I say this in one of my presentations, that's just a part of life. Everybody is going to go through struggle, but on different levels. For example, I went through a struggle. My brother passed away, but somebody else may be going through a struggle right now, anxiety, or maybe they're not doing so good in school, right? Or not doing to what to the level that they want to be doing at, in school. And so everybody struggles. And when I think about perseverance, I honestly think about going through a struggle with somebody else. And a lot may think to persevere is I get through it, right? I get through it. I do this. I. But when I think about persevering, I think about having people by your side, people around you, helping you, supporting you, guiding you to persevere, to get through what you're going through. Because I firmly believe that when you go through these types of struggles, you can't do it on your own. You can't. You basically, you, you need a team, people around you to help you, that you can go to, that you can talk to, that you can you know, unload those emotions, those feelings that you have in that moment. So when I think about perseverance, I think about getting through whatever it is you're being faced with with other people helping you to get through it, helping to push you through it. Yeah, absolutely. And to that point, I know that you uh, talk to the youth that you speak to a lot about the the consequences of their decisions and how they can use it as a learning experience. So tell me about perseverance for consequences as well. No, for sure. So, you know, you, you learn, I always say to the kids that, look, I'm not perfect, right? I'm not perfect. No one's perfect. Everybody makes decisions in their life that are, that when they look back on, they wish they could have back. They just, and again, that's another thing that's part of life is going through those struggles as I, as you heard before. And when you go through those struggles, sometimes people make poor choices. And when you look back on them, well, I always say to the students and the athletes, when you look back on those choices that you've made, a great thing to do is to, okay, you look at the situation and you say, why did I make that choice? What was the reason I made that choice? And then you say, okay, what could I have done differently now? So I made the choice, let's say, because I had a certain mindset. Now, what could I have done differently? Well, I could have thought about this differently. I could have thought about that differently. I could have said this or that. And then whatever that thing is that you 
would have done differently, you take it with you and you move on. Because then when you get in situations like that in life, then you can persevere through, through it because you've learned from the, the consequences of the choices that you've made in the, in the past. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And tell me, Eric, about your own personal story. I know that you uh, suffered an eye injury, and I yeah. know that your uh, childhood also uh, shaped uh, sort of the person you are today. So tell me about it. I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. And I don't really talk a whole ton, you know, about this, but I mean, I, I, I have been asked to, so I do. You know, when I was in the going into the eighth grade, so the summer of my seventh grade year, I was I was in the woods playing with my friends. We were just hanging out and just being seventh graders, just hanging around, throwing sticks around. And all of a sudden, a kid threw a stick my way. I turn around and the stick stuck right in my eye. And I yanked that stick out because it was just sticking there. And as soon as I yanked it out, blood starts you know, coming down my face, down my body. And I pass out. And all of a sudden, I wake up in an ambulance. There's an EMT to my left. There's an EMT to my right. I'm thinking to myself, what happened? What's going on? Where are they taking me? I remember looking to, to that EMT to my right, and I said to them, what happened? Like, what's going on here? He goes to me, taking you to the hospital. Everything's going to be fine. I go to the hospital that night and they perform a six hour surgery on my eye to save it. Because what happened was when that stick hit my eye, I always say, take an orange, picture an orange, a knife, slice the orange in half. That's what happened in my eye. It sliced in half. So the cornea in my eye was damaged, was ruptured. And the retina detached. So I couldn't see out of it. And I still am blind in it right now. I was in that, the hospital for a few weeks. You know, I'll never forget. We talked about, you talked about perseverance, right? This was, you could say probably this was the, the first big struggle. The first time I had to persevere through something because I had invested so much of my time, my energy, my efforts into hockey. And I said to myself when I was younger in the seventh, sixth grade, my big dream was I want to become a professional hockey player. I want to play hockey at the highest level I possibly can. When I was laying in that hospital bed, I just couldn't stop thinking how I'm never going to be able to play hockey again. I'm never going to be able to play hockey again. And I remember getting out of, out of the, the hospital a few weeks later. And my dad had said that, you know, he went downstairs and he saw my bag there and he said to me, I remember him coming up and saying, I don't know if you're, you're ever going to be able to play again. And that really, that was, that was tough because that was a lot of my life. I had invested a lot of time and energy into that, but I was eventually able to play and I played division one, the highest level you can. After that, I was, unfortunately, wasn't able to play any professional hockey, but Let's backtrack for a sec when I left the hospital. A really persevering moment, struggle. It's funny, just like my brother, I went through the struggle where I went home, I took the patch off my eye and I looked at my eye and 
it was shrunk. It did. It didn't look like it does right now. I have a. I have a fake eye. You can say a fake eye. That's over my my real eye, right? So I, I can show you here. This. This is a. This is a fake eye, and this is what my this is what my eye looks like. And so when I when I saw this in the mirror, I said to myself, I said, you know, look at you, right? I started beat myself down. I said, you look so ugly. What, what, what girl's going to want to date you? What guy's going to want to be your friend, hang out with you? And so I remember running in my room, shutting the door, hiding under the comforts and being like, I hate myself. I don't want anybody to see me like this. I'm so ugly. They're going to talk about me. They're going to make fun of me. They're going to point at me. And I didn't leave my room, let alone my house for a few days. And it wasn't until I made, again, that word comes up that I talk about the decision to talk to my parents, to let them know how I was really feeling in here. And that was the first step I took to start healing, to start dealing with this. And so it's funny because if you think about it, you have my brother who struggled, right, with the ball spot, and he made a different decision than me to start drinking or start smoking to deal with what he was going through. But I struggled with my eye and I made a different decision. So that is right there, the classic case of two people going through struggle. And I would say they were pretty similar. Well, my brother made one choice. I made the other. And we just went down completely different paths. And that is the power of decisions right there. Inclusion leads to the promise of acceptance. It's my firm belief that we all have gifts and a platform to share with the world. And if you've spent any length of time listening to this podcast, you know I've had my own battle with perseverance with being diagnosed with cerebral palsy at birth. I shared with Dario my personal struggles and triumphs with cerebral palsy and asked him to reflect upon the importance of inclusion for all. Oh, 100%. 100%. I firmly believe in that. And actually, when you started talking, you mentioned cerebral palsy. I have a really good friend that has cerebral palsy. And so, you know, he's... I, I'm. I'd love to hook you guys up after this. You guys could talk because let me tell you something. He's a motivating person. He's, I think you guys really hit it off. You could have him on here too. But um, now I think it's, it's important to include others for sure. And, I, and, and again, as I said, when we're struggling, when we're going through hard times, having people in our life to help to support us because you know others may have gone through hard times. Like you went through this, right? At a young age and growing up, Maybe in high school or later on in your life, maybe one of your friends is struggling. And so now you can help them. So I think that, you know, including a diverse, a diverse, diverse community around you in your life is important. Accepting others for who they are, for what they're going through, I think is, is largely important for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm also wanting to ask you about. Uh, what you're telling us about social isolation and really uh, getting out there and putting themselves uh, front and center in terms of, of socially including themselves and persevering through isolation socially if they're going through that. So 
it's important, as I've said numerous times in this, because I think it, it, it's, and I'll triple down on it here, that yes, you're around other people. Other people, though, I think a lot of youth maybe make the make the poor choice to surround themselves with others that maybe don't have the same goals as them, that maybe don't have, aren't trying to do what they're doing. And so I know that 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 happened for me, all of my friends, they didn't really have the goals I had. And so they were going this way and I wanted to go this way. So it was, uh, it was, I eventually broke off with them, but in talking about isolation and talk about getting out there and being around other people, I would say that it's, it's important to be around those who are going to accept you for you, right? To not, to not try to make you be somebody that you're not, because then that can bring you down a road, just like I went down with my friends, where eventually you just have to detach and you have to separate because you're going down a road that you don't want to go down. But, you know, maybe fear of, of getting into a community, a group of people I always say to people that you never know unless you try because we, we, it's funny when we go through fear of something, we had this perspective, right? So it, it's this big trickle down effect. First, we look at something and we say, for example, let's say that, Oh, I really, I want to, I think it'd be a good community for me to hang out with these group of kids. But then I immediately say to myself, I look at it and I say, yeah, but, but I'm not cool enough. Right. So now we look at this perspective of I'm not cool enough. And then right after that, we start playing this, this little, you could say video in your head as to why you're not cool enough. And then from that, you get these emotions and feelings. And then from that, you just, you say, yeah, you make the decision that, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go up to them. I'm not going to try to be their friends. I'm not going to try to, to try to, include myself and what they're doing in their community. So I would say that if you don't take action, you won't know, right? I believe that we are the ones who kill the action that we can take up here with what we think. So I would say for those people who are isolating, who are nervous to get out there, or maybe even to just be rejected, right, by a community or something, Know that that's a part of life rejection. I mean, I've been rejected from plenty of things in my life and it's going to happen to people, but just know that it happens. I believe for a reason, because if you're looking for a friend group and maybe you get rejected from a community, then you just weren't, that, that wasn't meant to be that community. So I say the biggest thing with isolation fear is taking action is not letting yourself talk talk yourself out of it here to actually go forward with it and to try. And tell me, Eric, how do you think personal development and growth are interconnected? That's a great question. When you develop yourself personally with what you do on an everyday basis, then you persevere through things, you grow at another level, you're able to get through more, right? But, but that's, that, that, but that's a very, that's a great question. And it's an interesting one, because the more and more you go through, and the more and more you get through, I firmly believe the more and more you're able to persevere through things. It's almost like, 
It's like lifting weights, right? So we look at lifting weights and the heavier the weight you lift, the bigger the struggle it's going to be. If I'm lifting a 50 pound weight, I'm going to struggle more when I'm lifting an 80 pound weight, but I'm able to eventually more and more I do that, I'm able to get through more. So then that that, that 50 turned into a 75, which is going to turn into a 90, right? And you're just going to keep persevering, but it's going to be more and more of a struggle as you go up. So I think that perseverance, getting through hard times, help us to grow as people. And we're able to grow because we got through that and we've leveled up because of the struggle that we've surpassed when we've gotten through it. And to that point, how do you look at the word empowerment and how did the personal empowerment can lead uh, to, live a, to living a successful and fulfilling life? It's, it's funny you ask this question because I actually did a presentation on empowerment a few weeks ago. And as I was finishing up and doing my research on it, I realized that empowerment comes down to you. A lot of people believe that I have to empower. Somebody else has to empower me. Someone else has to say something to me. Someone else has to put this thought in my head for me to empower. But things are said to people all the time. People try to persuade people all the time. At the end of the day, empowerment comes down to you in here. You have to bring that empowerment out. You have to be the one to reach out and to take the action to empower you. Empower, right? To give yourself power to give yourself the authority to give to give yourself the authority to actually take action that in your life that you want to take so i think that empowerment comes within i think a lot of people wait around for others to empower them but a lot of people just keep waiting and waiting and waiting not realizing that they have to be the one to empower themselves to take the action yeah, absolutely. And Eric, when you look at life, how do you celebrate it? Because, you know, I always believe that it's important to celebrate the wins in life, no matter how big or small they are. But I said, tell me, how do you celebrate? How do you celebrate success in life? Well, I'll say this before I get into that. I celebrate the wins and losses. Okay. So I celebrate wins because whatever's happening. Let's say I go and I speak at a school and I always say a little prayer before I go and I speak. And I just ask God, just give me one, right? If I'm talking to a thousand kids, if I'm talking to 300 kids, if I'm talking to 20 kids, 10 kids, if one kid comes up to me and says something, or if one kid leaves that presentation and doesn't say anything to me, and it affected him. And that's a win. I celebrate that. But also, too, you have to look at losses in life. And you have to be able to grab stuff from them. You have to be able to flip them in a way that's going to help you. And a great example of this is my younger brother, Brendan. He died. That's a, a lot of people look at that and they say it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. And you know what it is? It, it's a tragedy that he lost his life. But... I flipped the script and I've said to myself, I'm going to do something that's going to help others who are struggling through what he's, he went through. 
right? And so I'm, I'm completely changing that narrative right now on what happened to him. Because again, I can't take back what happened. And when negative things happen to you, you can't take, you can't take them back. So I think we, we take the good out of what's happened and we celebrate it, right? Because there's always good in everything. Like the good thing that happened with what happened with my brother dying is right now we're on this podcast and we're talking. If my brother never died, we never, I wouldn't be on this podcast. And that person right now listening who's struggling wouldn't be able to get some motivation, wouldn't be able to, to get through the struggle that they're facing because if my brother didn't pass away, then we wouldn't be doing this. So I always celebrate the wins and the losses for sure. Yeah, absolutely, Eric. And I have I have to ask you, buddy, and I know that you're originally from Massachusetts, buddy, and I can hear the accent. So tell me, oh, yeah. what's the best part of living where you live, buddy? I'm curious. The best part of living in Boston? You got it. What's the best part? There's a lot. I love it here. I love Boston. Yes, I'm from Boston. You can hear the accent. We don't say car. We say car. I get that all the time. Yup, yup. I get that all the time. Whenever I go and I speak in another state, they can hear it right away. No, the best part about living in Boston is, is I actually, I just, I love the, you could say the energy and just the fast pace. I love just the energy and the fast pace about being around Boston. That's just, I, I would say that that's, that's the biggest thing for me. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I'm picking up uh, on talking to you, Eric, is your energy for life. And, you know, I always tell people that you have to be excited about living life because life, to me, Eric, is a grand adventure and we're all given a platform to share our differences or strengths. So tell me about living life with energy and excitement and what that means to you. I'll say this is, you know, there's, I don't care how successful you are. I don't care how energetic you are. There's going to be peaks and valleys, right? There's going to be peaks and valleys in what you go through. So sometimes you may have a ton of energy and sometimes it may be down, but living a life filled, you know, with energy is just going through that roller coaster, I would say, but Every day waking up and regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what you're struggling through, just doing your best, just putting forward the best effort that you can to, to look at the positives because there are going to be days, everyone goes through them. I'm sure you can relate to this. There are going to be days where you just, you say, man, nothing's going right for me today, right? And you're not up here, you're down here. But to put your best foot forward, to just look at everything you have in life and to just keep on going because that's what's going to get you through those struggling, those hard times, those days in your life that maybe are the roadblocks, right? You know, it's interesting. You just used the word life's a journey and it is for sure a journey of peaks and valleys, but it's those people who can stay up here as high as they can on those days that they're going through those hard times. And they can have the positive outlook on life that are able to keep going, that are able to be successful in whatever it is they're doing. So I would just say being able to look at the positives in those days when you're struggling, when you're going through those hard times. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Eric, my final question for you today, buddy, has to do with your own personal or professional legacy and how you want that to be defined. No, that's a great question. I want my legacy to just be known as somebody who devoted their life to their family, was able to do everything that they could to, to help those around them that they love to support them and to live a happy, healthy life, but also to that, that would be my, we're talking about my personal life, but my professional, I would, I would have to say that I just want to be known as somebody who is willing to do whatever they can to help that person who's struggling, who's going through that hard time in life, to help them take that first step to getting the help that they need, that they, that they deserve. Yeah, absolutely. Finally, I tell you, if people want to get connected with you, buddy, what's the best way they can accomplish that goal? So you can find me on LinkedIn, just Eric Tadario. You can find me on Facebook, again, Eric Tadario. I'm on all the platforms. I'm on Eric Tadario TikTok, Eric Tadario, uh, edadario16 at, on Instagram. So I'm on all the, the platforms. I'm also on Twitter at edadario at, uh, sorry, edadario6 on Twitter. So yeah, I'm on all the platforms. I'm always putting out videos to help those who are struggling, to give motivation, to just bring positive vibes to people's lives. Well, fantastic. And Eric, I have to tell you, I thoroughly enjoyed engaging in conversation with you, Bonnie, and I want to Thank you for the good work that you do to inspire you to make appropriate life decisions which help to live better lives, buddy. You work in the space and time on my behalf is most appreciated, buddy. And I want to thank you for being here this afternoon. And thank you for having me on the show. I, I really appreciate it. And you know, I I love love what you're doing on this podcast. Keep Keep having these conversations because the conversations you're having, they're tremendously important.